I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Andrew Millen, and you're all very welcome back to the Celtic Soul Podcast. The podcast is available across all platforms, and you can also get us on Celtic Fanzine TV. The Celtic Soul Podcast and Celtic Fanzine TV are brought to you by more than 90 minutes Celtic Fanzine, which first went on sale at Celtic Park 21 years ago. The new issue, number 123, is now available to buy in both print and digital format, and you can get all the details by visiting CelticFanzine.com. If you're a new listener to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. And if you're listening on Celtic Fanzine TV, please hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode. And if you're a returning listener, well, thanks very much for tuning back in. This episode of the Celtic Soul Podcast is once again sponsored by our good friends at O'Shea's Restaurant, Temple Bar in Dublin. And we thank Martin O'Shea for his continued support. If you're a Celtic-minded business or a Celtic supporters club, and you would like to sponsor an episode of the podcast, the fanzine, or the website, please email us at info at celticfanzine.com. You can also message us on social media or leave a message on celticfanzine.com. Joining me on the show for a chat is Roddy Collins. Celtic fan Roddy is one of the most colourful characters in Irish football. Roddy Collins, you're very welcome to the Celtic Soul podcast. How's life? And firstly, tell us about this new book. 
The Rod's father. Yeah. Oh, let me think. It just came out of nowhere. Now, Paul Howard, who I know a long time, I was doing a podcast with Second Captain's Live, actually, and I just threw out a remark joking, and I said, ah, you'll read it in my book one day. Then I got a phone call about three days later. Paul Howard, who I know a long time, he wanted to set me up a meeting with Penguin Publishers. I said, I'm not really interested. He said, unless you do it, Paul. And he said, I'll do it. And that was it. That's how I started. I mean, I'm a football agent, so I used to me a bit of work. Dave McManus, he got the ball rolling. Uh, when I spoke to him one day, I said, the only thing I could do about for me is, is uh, Paul Howard. And he made a few phone calls, and that was it. Should that told you to give it a <laughs> Yeah. So that was that was how it started. And we sat down for 10 months every Friday and I spilled out my guts onto the table and he fucking polished up into a book. I don't know how he was able to get it past. But uh, it's stories of my life. It's not my life story because a lot of us couldn't go into a book. But anyway, he polished it up, made it presentable and it's flying off the shelves. God. And it, it's it, it's amazing about books, right? Because I've, I've walked with Alan Thompson. We've done loads of live shows um, yeah. We've done loads of Q&As. And it was only when I read his book that I learned. And now I've been on holidays with Tomo. Yeah. And it was only when I read his book that I realised he kept so much back for his book, Roddy. Yeah. Uh, you know, are we going to get, you know, are we going to get something we don't know, Roddy? Uh, no, well, everything you know is in the book. I mean, you know, Tomo's out in Australia. I tried to get him last night. But, um, yeah, I what you call it. No, everything's in it. It's just polished up a little bit, like you know. There's a few, there's a few hairy moments in it that would have been a little bit more ropey. Only Paul's expertise took the rough edges off and made it more presentable. But now I'm starting to finish. I spilled everything out, and he he took it and said, "Do you want to take that now?" He said, "No." In actual fact, I want to put more in, but there's a few we couldn't put in, you know, for legal reasons. Roddy, it's it's like you're you're so well travelled as as a both a footballer and a manager. Like you've had. Umpteen clubs, you know, managed in different countries, played played everywhere. You were involved in, you know, there was rumours you were involved in takeovers of clubs and just been, like, it's it's so much to consume when you when you research, when you research Roddy Collins, there's so much to consume. So that's why I think it is great that you now have a book that, you know, we, we can pick up and read about because, you know, love you or love you, Roddy. You're one of the most colourful characters that's been, you know, that's been in the League of Ireland, and you know there hasn't been there hasn't been that many characters over the years, and probably the last one, really. There's not, you know, the managers now are just so uh, so managerial they're, now. They're you all know? coming out of conveyor belt now, and I've done all these stupid courses that you have to do. I mean, I'd won a Dublin Bowls, kept banger in the league, went to Carlisle, kept with the league for two years in a row, which was my biggest achievement. I get to a cup final. And then you come home, they tell you if they learn, do courses, how to manage. So what happens is, like this, they prepare you for, if you lose a game, you don't talk about how bad you were, you talk about how good they were. You watch your P's and Q's, you don't go on the camera for 15 minutes, blah, 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 blah. A load of crap. So they're all like watching their P's and Q's. I used to, I used to love giving it from the, from the hip. And the one that loved it most was me, Celeste, because he made more money on me than anyone else defending me in court rooms. <laughs> you know what I mean? But look, as I said in the book, to me, when I used to get dressed to go to a match, I was dressed to go into a theatre, right? And the players are the main players in it. The referee, the fourth officials, the linesmen, the crowd, the TV, everybody was all part of this drama. And I loved winding everyone up. I absolutely adored it. 
and winding up with a manager, dressing for the occasion, wearing spats, pinstripe suits, mohair over culture. It was like bleeding Don Carleone going on the pitch some days. But I loved it when I was getting the stick, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was brilliant. Don, what was that? John Gotti, I was called one day with the, with the fun overcoat. But to me, it was all fun. But the fun was only added when we were winning. And thankfully, we won a lot. I won a lot more than I lost, you know? Yeah, Roddy, when, when I said, said to people that you were coming onto the show, they all they all go back, not to your playing career, they all went back to that time at Bowes yeah. as a manager. Well, it's a funny they, one. That's all he wanted to talk about. Yeah, but it's a funny one, you see. People know me. Like, someone said to me, I've done a gig the other night for a testimony dinner for Brian Mullins with Joe Brawley and another man up your way, well, near enough to, I'd say, um, Bernard Flynn. And they said about the book, most sports books are rags to riches. Mine was riches to bleeding rags because I started out minted employing 30 people when I went into Bowes. And I had no experience really. I, I, I achieved them bang. I kept them in the Premier League and won one of the smaller cups in the Army four seasons as a player manager. Then I three years away with, with Stephen. And then I got into Bowes. And in the space of two and a half years, we went from relegation fodder to run us up the next year, cup finals beaten in, the, in a, a replay by shells were far better than us. And then the following year, cleaning everything up, including European success. So in the space of my first four years as a manager, I'd achieved more than most managers achieve in 20 or 30 years. So where was it going to go from there? Well, it was going to England for me. And I was going great guns over there with Carl Oyle, absolutely flying it till a new owner came in. And that went absolutely pear-shaped. And then we all know the history of that. I was blocked from working for about 12 years. So people wonder why, and they'll read it in the book, where did Roddy Collins go? He didn't go anywhere. I just couldn't get an interview. I couldn't get a day's work. And the only jobs I could get were people who were at war with the FBI and were just doing it to wind the FBI up. So it was tough old road, you know. But yeah, it's the balls one was it. It was a great time. It was a difficult time, as you'll read in the book, and I'm not trying to sell the book, but there was a lot of more, with a lot more battles off the pitch, let's say, than on the pitch. But a, a gang of fellas, and they were brilliant. They were great, hot mad, some of them, right? With all sorts. With gargglers, with fellas that had each, each our couch. You know, no discipline in, in, in that. But on the pitch, on match days, we had a team of men, proper men, who I loved, and they loved me. And I got us through a lot of sticky. Uh, periods and subsequently we won the double and that was unbelievable then I got the bullet <laughs> <laughs> and, and and Roddy as a as a player you know what was the what was the highlight then as, as a player for you because again when you talk about Roddy Collins everyone talks about him as the manager but they forget that there was a player there for years yeah well I, I, I was flying it come back from England I was on three trials in one year toward the 18 so my balls getting tipped to go to Celtic, Celtic, uh, Tottenham, Man United, they were all on about me. And I played a European game out in the Stadium of Light against uh, Sporting Lisbon. And I played out of my skin. And that was it. I turned the corner. I was going back to England. And a week later, I got my legs snapped in two. Tib and Fib absolutely destroyed. And that I didn't kick a ball in anger probably for three years. So from 18 to 21, I was a, I was a nobody in no man's land trying to make a recovery. Then Torlock O'Connor took a punt on me at loan the year they won the league 
and I scored 20 odd goals and then my name was right back up there and then I moved from there to Drawn I think it was Billy McNeil was going to sign me he tells me years later when I was at Drawn and then from Drawn I went to Dundalk and then I was sold to Mansfield Town so and then, and then and then I broke my leg twice again no sorry yeah twice twice in Mansfield Town uh, and I brought my elbow with Manchester in England I didn't play a lot of games come home and I signed for Rovers top scorer there and then I went there to Dundalk won a league medal with Dundalk and then I went there to Sligo under Dermot Keeley and then there after a few games to Crusaders where I had my best spell I think I got 46 goals in 92 games or something and that was the highlight of my football career playing up Crusaders yeah, it's, it's some some traveling, Roddy. Roddy, at that age, right when you get a leg break, like like so bad, like what 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 has gone through a young player's mind with all this interest in them? Like, did you go into like did you get depressed? Did you you know what was the story? No, I didn't. I didn't. Later on, when I got injured, I got a little bit down. No, I didn't. I remember the day I broke and I looked down and my leg was, my knee was facing the north, and me 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 foot was facing the north west. <laughs> and I looked down and said, my leg is broke. And instantly, when I was on the stretcher in the hospital, I said to the doctor, how long does it take to come back with a broken leg? And he said, about nine months at the time. I said, I'll be back in eight. And that was my dedication. That was me, me goal. And I never missed one training session, not even one down at Daily Mount, done the weights, done everything that could be done until I could go back jogging in the whole lot. Um, but it didn't heal. They were going to have to break it again after six months. So it took, I was a long drawn out period and I got a little bit down, but I still believed I could, I could achieve something. And then the years I lost, I decided to get a forest birth certificate, which I did. So when I was 25, just t- turning 25, I got a birth certificate, I was 22 and wrote to all the non- lower league clubs in England. And I got a trial with Mansfield Town and they signed me for two and a half years. A record fee, 15 sterling, £1,000 to Dundalk. So I never gave up. Kept at it, at it, at it. And uh, that's my story. It's not a sad story. I've no regrets. I don't ever think, you know, if or what or whatever. But look, it is what it is. That's life, you know. And Roddy, what was it like um, growing up in a working class family in Dublin with a sports mad family? Boxing mad. Football wasn't, yeah. football wasn't on the radar in my house. The old, back in the day I was called a sissy for playing football we had a boxing gym on the back of the house in the council estate in Cabernet nine was in a two bedroom house right and we weren't poor we had a decent job in Guinnesses right we weren't rich either but we had a brilliant childhood brilliant childhood we had up in Cabernet the, the, it's a place that's really close to me here to go back twice a week to Cabernet and uh, it was all fun loads of hoolies in the house every weekend boxing 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 and then I seen Wee Jinky and George Best, and that was it, football for me. So I remember I fought for the youth heavyweight title when I was 16, just before I went to Fulham. And I, I got beaten in the final by a lap of Sally Nugget. And I remember, I remember before that going to school and then trying to have a kip on the desk, but my face was bruised and I couldn't get asleep. And all the hair blew up my nose from sparring the night before. And then I seen George Best on the telly and I went, no. That's for me. Years earlier, sorry, I seen him. Then I, I seen him coming on with the four coast. So football was for me then. And that was it. I went after that. And then they all supported me. But the rest were all boxers, you know. 
Yeah, no, you, you mentioned the boxing. Pascal is, is making a name for himself as a as a coach. Yeah. But like when when we think of the Collins name, we think of Steve. Like like I'm a big boxing fan, so it probably won't be of interest to some of the listeners. But you know, he done it the hard way when he went over the states with the Irish team, and you know, walked into the at the Petronelli Brothers gym, and you know, but because I followed boxing, I remember when he came back. I remember uh, him beating Chris Poyer for the the middleweight title. Yeah. And people, they were kind of, they didn't really have the respect for him um, because, but I, I knew he was after beating Tony Thornton in America. Yeah. And then Tony, before the Eubank fight, Tony had pushed Eubank all the way. Probably, you know, could have got a draw, could have got, could have went his way if it was in America. Yeah. So no one was giving Steve a chance against Eubank. See, you know, this man was... No, no one knew. Then, Steve, sorry for interrupting. Steve Madell to America, as you said, and I, when I went out to see him fighting the Taunton, I was at the Taunton fight. I couldn't believe that was my brother. The transformation. He was made for the pro game. Like, he was meticulous in his, in his, in his planning. He was very tactically aware. Great defensive boxer and very intelligent in the ring. Great, great uh, round management he had, you know. But when I seen him, I couldn't believe him. But I knew Dan, I said, he's going straight to the top, you know. But just going back to the start there, Terry Cosby, uncle, ABA champion in England, my father, Leinster middleweight champion. My ma's brother, Jack O'Rourke, heavyweight champion for years, boxed for many times. Christy Collins, welterweight champion. Rory Collins, middleweight champion. Philip Collins, middleweight champion. Johnny Collins, light heavyweight champion. Jim Collins, light heavyweight novice champion. So there was a lot of champions in our family before Stephen come on the scene, you know. But he, he, topped, wow. he topped it off. And it was unbelievable. And I've never, I've never stopped being so proud of him. It was just to think that we all slept in the one bed, me, him and Mick in a big double bed. He used to warm it up for us. Then we go up and he was quiet on the ceiling, dedicated, great, very meticulous in his thinking of everything, very deep thinker. To think that he could come to that little house in Cabaret from Dublin and go in with the greats in, in this side of the world. And the ones over there, Mike McCallum, as you said, or as, as he said, Tony Tom, Mike McCallum, Kevin Watts, all top, top fighters in America. But Steve went in there and uh, he was tough, very, very tough. And he had a grand chin. And but as I say, determination and dedication got him over the line in the end. And thankfully, he he, he done really well financially and held on to it, which is the most important thing. Yeah, and he, he, like, you know, Eubank was, Eubank was very good at, you know, you know, winning the press conferences, you know, with his intellect and, you know, he had this cabaret kind of, you know, person that turned up and you love to hate him. But then, if memory says me right, you know, for that, for that first fight, I think Stephen turned up in all the tweed with, with, and he, correct me if I'm wrong, had the Irish Wolfhound with him. Oh, you know? the big six, and from, the big six, four Irish Wolfhound. I don't know where he came out, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know this was going to happen. He arrived in a tweed suit, he was like Darby O'Gillery's tweed suit, his cap, and this big Wolfhound. Oh, he even took a step back and went, what the hell's going on here? But it yeah. was brilliant. And he started the press. But so did Eubank. What? So did Eubank. Uh, well, you know, the master of the press conference well, was outmastered. That, that's what happened. Stephen opened up in Australia. And Eubank was looking around and he was rattled. And I remember being in the lift with him after it. Just so happened he got on the lift in the bulletin. And he went, he said that Billy Davis, his trainer, what the fuck, what the fuck is this all about? You know, just before the mind game started, getting up near the fight. You know what I mean? But Stephen was intelligent and he's planning and the night of the fight, the day of the fight, he blew his mind. He blew Eubank out of water with the mind games 
and Eubank was all over, so he wanted out. And Stephen, you see, I say to people, you go into Old Trapper 20 years ago, you were beaten before you put your foot in the pitch. You go into Celtic Park, you're beaten, right? Liverpool last year, Man City. When, when I got into the ring with Eubank, the introduction, simply the best. He hasn't been beaten. You're sitting there listening to all the, the crowd singing. Everyone joins in. Even Stephen supporters were joining in. So Stephen said, oh, take that play away. Put the earphones in. Put the hood up. And if you look at that entrance, Eubank kept looking over at him. Not a story out of Stephen till he heard the thump on the canvas where Eubank jumps over the ring and then he pretends to wake up. So we had him. We had him gone. But look, that's all grey. Grey or wolf has all that. But at the end of the day, Stephen Collins won with heart, intelligence, strength, endurance and boxing skills. That's what won it for him. The rest all helped. But that's what won it for him. The second time round was under that. Stephen just charged straight across the ring. Parkley Quill didn't give him a minute space in the ring. Cut off everything, hit him with angles Eubank never seen before, overwhelmed him. And that's what we talk about, because that's what he was brilliant at, you know. And he had some chin as well. He was he, he was a tough man. Oh, from a kid. He was the toughest kid in the block, but the nicest kid in the block. He wasn't there. He wasn't a bouncy, but no one crossed him. He was very quiet and introvert, but you didn't cross Stephen. But I remember I done the corner with him in the band fight. And Freddie Roach emphasized Ben still has a heavy shot. I remember Stephen going, like, just a second round, and Ben hit him with the best right hand he's probably ever thrown. And Stephen didn't even take a step back. He just shook his head and stepped forward. I remember looking in the whites of Ben's eyes, and I knew he wanted out. And subsequently, he bailed out after that. But Stephen had a chin. It was unreal. Unreal. I've never seen Like, he was down against... Eubank, but it was only a flash one. He wasn't stunned. He was down against Kevin Watts. Uh, it was a body shot, and he got up, and but he had a massive chin. I've seen him getting hit really hard. Not too many times. Very good defensive boxer, but my God, he could take a shot. It must have been some buzz about being around that time. Oh, jeez. Well. We sit down now and we think, did that really happen, you know? I mean, I was reared on Roberto Duran, Muhammad Ali, getting dragged out of the bed while jumping out of the bed to listen to the radio ground with me dad watching Duran on the telly later in these years and thinking when would we ever be able to afford to go and sit at a world title fight and there we are all over the world in the corner helping out with me brother unbelievable the family had a journey and Stephen made it the best journey he brought us everywhere he brought us to Vegas he brought us to Los Angeles paid for everything looked after everyone in the family with, with, a, with a few Bob and Artie was brilliant he was brilliant and it was a great journey I mean we met a lot I met Vinnie Jones on the journey still a great friend of mine I met um, Sean Edwards I met loads of people Liam Gallagher on the last Liam Gallagher Oliver Reid Ronnie Woods you know just brilliant times absolutely brilliant just they the, the must have been some sessions oh jeez the worst one was Oliver Reid Stephen said Stephen was going to train a boxer for Oliver Reid some kid in Cork. So he asked me to come with him to the, to the, um, uh, O'Donoghue's in Merion. He said, I'm going to meet him, man, when you come. Stephen wasn't a drinker. He said, you might, you might want to have a few points just, you know, keep company with me. So I went down there. This fellow was sitting with his back to us, but his shirt was on, buttoned up down his back. And he turns around, it was Oliver Rain. Oh, he nearly collapsed. It was brilliant. So I tried to match him drink by drink. I lasted about two hours and I was locked. But well, he lasted the whole night. We left him about three o'clock in the morning. That was an experience. 
And then Ronnie Wood, another wow. night, I went on the lash. Vinny loads of times. Sean Edwards, many, many times, up till recently. And uh, I was great. It was brilliant, you know. Brilliant. Yeah, Ronnie, this is an audio podcast, but, you know, I can see you. And, like, it's, you know, there's an enjoyment there in that smile. You, you, you've had some journey. Oh, jeez. I've had a brilliant life. That's why, like, I tell stories to people in pubs and that. And they look at me, but it's in black and white now, and it's all true. Look, I tell people stories, and they go, ah, yeah, right. But I can back them all up, you know. <clears throat> so the stories. And I remember one morning, we were minted. I was minted, I was, right? And I got a phone call about 8 o'clock, half 8, and it was Vinnie Jones, when he was drinking. He hasn't drank in eight years. And he said to me, Rod, you know that song, My Big Brother Sylvester? You're always singing it, yeah. Let me hear it. I want to sing it today in a pub in Hamill Hampstead. And I said, what's the, what's the deal for and he said, Tucker is coming home from Holland or somewhere. It was a cart that was knocking around me. Well, I said, right, leave that with me. Straight up into the shower, into my clover, out to Dublin Airport, hat one, singing the song for them in Hemel Hempstead, right? And Caroline <laughs> rings me. How are you, Rod? You were up early. as I was, yeah. Where are you? Are you at a match? I said, no, I'm in Hemel Hempstead singing with Vinnie. Are you fucking winding me up? Oh, <laughs> put Vinnie on. She says, you better be back in Dublin tonight. We're going to a deal with Moyles and Castle. I walked into Moyles nine o'clock that night. No problem. And that was a regular occurrence. Another time I went on the missing list and I get a phone call from my brother Mikey. He goes, Rod, Carla's looking everywhere at me. I says, no, I'll be home tonight, boy. You're on BBC Race with Vinnie Jones and Newbury. I said, you're joking. Oh, Jesus. I was, I was getting caught out, you know. It was, it was, it was, I was always back in the big bed that night. That was the main thing, you know. Oh, brilliant. And Ronnie, like, there's so many highlights, but there has to be regrets. Is there any regrets? Regrets. One regret was walking out with Johnny Joyce when the, in the youth international squad. I thought I was playing, convinced with all the build-up that week. I was involved in all the set pieces, everything being spoken to, you know, in the, in the pre-match uh, the day before in the hall. And then on the night of the game, he named it and I was number 12. So I listened to the team uh, instructions he went around, everyone came to me and said, I'm only a sub. Yeah, but it's, it's important. I said, ah, F that. And I remember I walked out from the Maples Hotel and from Condra back to Cabra, put me, me civvies back on and paid back into Daily Mail. And that was a regret. That was a regret. Other than that, going, going into Carlisle with John Carlton was the biggest regret in my life ever. It was the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life. But I, I, I done it consciously. I've now... Um, I was a grown man when I'd done it, but I, I took the first day in bargain, as they say. I knew where I was getting into bed, but I thought, it's my only way back into English football as a manager. And that was my biggest absolute regret in life. Till this day, cost me so much. Cost me, I'd say, 10 years of my career, more, more. And that's that's the regret. And Roddy, uh, Kieran Kenny, who who introduced me to you to get you on the podcast, a very good friend and, and a regular with me at, at Celtic Park. Now, Karen said to me, make sure, you, make sure you ask Roddy, uh, you know, about Celtic. Ah, yeah, well, that's all we talk about. Kieran's uh, my, my daughter's social worker and he comes in and gas. I'd be saying, ring Kieran to uh, come up and talk about Lauren. That lasts about 20 minutes. Then we talk about Celtic for the rest of the day, you know? But, uh, oh, he's I, obsessed. Ah, yeah. He has his museum. I gave him my prize possession. My birthday old signed, personal signed autograph on a beautiful picture of the Lisbon Lions. But uh, it was sitting on my wall, not appreciate with too many people. And I thought, Kieran, you've been so good to us. 
put that up in your museum and he did and he sent me a picture of it. Kieran's one of life's gentlemen. You know, you couldn't but sit and talk to him and feel comfortable. He's such a genuine fella. His love for Celtic is unbelievable. His devotion to Celtic is unbelievable. And I get a great uh, enjoyment and satisfaction now talking to him about the trips he has over. And I'm going to go on one of them soon after. Soon after Christmas, I'm going to take a trip over with him. But yeah, Celtic's my club, my team. When I was manager of Carlisle, I was never out of Celtic Park. Uh, I would know Chris Sutton very well, Johnny Hartson, Alan Thompson, who I spoke to last night in Australia. I would know um, Jackie McNamara, who I done my pro licence with. Um, ah, yeah, great fellas. Love it. They have a great love for the club. Jim McNally, a good friend of mine from his Nottingham Forest days when I was playing for Mansfield Town. So I have a great affiliation with Celtic. My cousin Terry Collins was on the Celtic books as a schoolboy before he went down to Old Stratford. So, love Celtic, love what they stand for, love the support, love the atmosphere, great European nights. I went all the way from day one with Martin O'Neill all the way to Seville. I was, I was at that Seville game against Porto. So, yeah, great Great affiliation for Celtic, great love for them. Yeah, that, that was, you named some players there and I've been lucky enough to interview most of them and, and do some uh, nights with them. Yeah. That that whole era, Roddy, was, um, that whole Martin O'Neill journey we went on was, it, it, you know, it's it's up there with the highlights of my time folly in Celtic. Um, just magnificent. You know, but we at the moment we have a, we have a manager we didn't know much about when he came in, but, we fell in love with him. Just the way we fell in love with Martin O'Neill. You couldn't help falling in love with him. When he came in at the start, he was taking a bit of abuse, you know, which which is natural. But my credit to the man is he came in and just kept the background staff there. That's how confident he was. He had a, he, he has a style of play that he believed in, brought it in, which is perfect for Celtic. Right? He stuck to his guns. First eight games, people called him for his head and then he turned it round. And my God, even yesterday, I don't want to see us conceding three goals in a game to Hurts, but you'll always back us to score four or five. And it's just electric. It's brilliant at the minute. And it's great that Rangers are having a pop because it makes it more exciting. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just it's just great at the moment. It will improve in the in the European games. It takes a while for players and to get to the tempo of European football, because the SPL doesn't give you that tempo that you need. Uh, in, in the in the higher echelons of European football, but that will come, and I back him. I back him a hundred percent. And uh, he's been a breath of fresh air. I, I think he's a great man. He's very humble. He's he's not a melt, and he, and he but he's not a shrink of oil either. He'll stand up his team. He stand up his ideas, and he's just been brilliant. And I just hope that Celtic can hold on to him because um, I'm sure there's plenty of clubs down in the Premier League. We watching the next year or two and see how it goes with him. But uh, for me, he's been a breath of fresh air. Come out of nowhere. Absolutely brilliant. I know Eddie Hell. Eddie's a great fella too. I've done, done the pro license with Eddie. <coughs> and Chris Sutton and Jackie McNamara. We all done it together. And Eddie, for me, I was praying to go to Celtic, to be quite honest with you. But Eddie would have given a more meticulous, long-term planning strategy. He's more, how can I say, uh, conservative, not in his, in his way he plays, but he'd be, he wouldn't be as going ho as, as what we have now. But uh, he would have been equally equally successful over the over the period of time. But look, I think Eddie got the best job for him, and we got the best manager for Celtic. Yeah, we certainly did. And, and, and as I said, we've just like just like Martin O'Neill, you know, 
all those years ago. We, we've had, we, we've fallen in love with Ange, and to be back in the Champions League, people are people are talking ready about you know Bruges punching above the weight, but this is their fault campaign, you know. Yeah, it's brilliant. In a row. And the first half against Madrid was unreal. It was unreal, but I knew you couldn't sustain that tempo. You need to put the ball in the back of the net in the first half, you know what I mean? But it was just brilliant to watch. And you think to yourself, if you can build on that against lesser teams, obviously Madrid, one of the best teams in the world, because have some brilliant nights back in Celtic. I remember one of the best nights I ever had was on the journey to Seville. I think it was Celtic Vigo. It was a 1-0 victory. It was unreal. Yeah. I'd never seen Parkhead bounce or Celtic Park bouncing as, as, as well as it did but my my abiding memory was in Seville I'll never forget it I had two tickets and me and my wife Caroline and I had two tickets to me a Swedish fella and whoever else had two tickets so the ticket agent that I bought mine off asked me to meet a fella and I waited outside and waited outside and waited outside and I think Celtic were warming up the two teams were warming up and I couldn't wait any longer and there was a couple standing trying to buy tickets all night. And I remember calling them out in the front, Donegal, and I said, there's two tickets. How much do you want? I want nothing. They're not, I didn't buy them. They're not for me. And I gave them the tickets. And the fellow that asked me to present the tickets to the Swedish people, right, lamped me out. I wanted them back. And I went, fuck you. I said, there's two people, one of the highlights of Celtics' recent history. And you were going to keep two tickets to prove to somebody who didn't bother turning up. And that was a good night for me. And I think if Bobo hadn't been sent off that night, I think the outcome would have been different. But what a night, and what a representation of Celtic supporters. There must have been 40,000 locked down on the ground. I didn't see one instance of hooliganism, bad behaviour, even bad language was curtailed in a bar I was in. There was a few women there and some fella was effing and blowing and he got a tap on the shoulder. Now, now, that's not on. We don't do that. And just to be with them was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant it was, you know. Oh, it was, it was it's, you know, that journey. Um, if, I've, I've said it before. If it wasn't for the credit union, I wouldn't have been able to go yeah. on that journey. <laughs> we, we, we went home and away. Yeah. Well, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't when Carlo and Shaq and me and put a few quid me back. I, I was at all the games. I was in Villarreal as well. I remember being in Villarreal. I brought the whole family there and I brought one of my kids in a buggy to that one. I'll never forget that one. We went, we went, it was in Barcelona. I was brilliant. It was just brilliant on, on the European games that we went to. But look. Uh, special, uh, special. special Roddy, uh, before I let you go, okay, I, I, I've got a Celtic's old time machine, okay, and I always get my guests to climb into it. Now, Roddy, where does that take you back to? Does it take you back to a game or does it take you back to a moment? If you could go back anywhere in time, Roddy, where would you go? European Cup final, only a kid, seven years of age, right? European Cup final, watching it with my father, right? But not realising it until years later and watching it again. And the, the, the just and the first team, the first team uh, from that side of the water to... Uh, to win the title was brilliant. Like people talk about the Busby Bears when they, I always go, hold on a minute, Celtic were the first. And that's in me, will always be in my memory. And we, we Jinky, and I had the privilege to meet them and I give them a hug. It was just brilliant. Then my Celtic was the old hoops, the big Hamden Park games that I only ever got to see on telly. And my other one was, as I said earlier, the Celtic Figo game when we won one nil and I brought my son to it. And he just couldn't stop talking about it for years. Still to this day, absolutely brilliant. The journey all the way to Seville, 
I went to every game. Absolutely brilliant. And look, can't wait to get back over again after Christmas. And may it continue in my lifetime. And uh, my son is bringing his partner to an old firm game next year. So he's he's bitten, smitten by the whole Celtic thing. And we love it. We love it. Brilliant. Uh, brilliant. Roddy, it's been an absolute pleasure. And we've only just touched on stuff. So I can't wait to get the book. Um, I can't wait to read it. It's... it's uh, it's just been it's just been an absolute pleasure to have you on, and I knew it would be. And I, I was even talking to Roland, the producer, before I came in, and he's actually he's a musician as well. He's heading over now in the morning. He does the music for all these rich uh, Sky people and BT when they're really? when they're dividing up the money for the Champions League. Yeah. He gets a gig every year in Monaco, Lovely. so they fly him in and uh, he gets picked up in a helicopter. So he's saying to me, "You need to get that podcast over to me quick." He says, "Or it won't be out." Lovely. So well, this you know is going. What, out, you know this- what you're talking about the book, right? Book, the book is the book. I done the audio on myself. It was a grueler, honestly. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But I'm proud of it because I had to have a battle to to talk my talk and my speak. How are you, my old pal? Oh no, how are you, my old pal? I'm not saying it. How are you, my old pal? So the battle I jacked up twice. But we got it over the line after eight days. It's supposed to be a four-day project, eight days. And I'm absolutely delighted with the audio book. I can't wait. I won't read the other book because I don't have to. I've written it. But the audio book, I will definitely listen to it. So it's coming out on the 17th of November. The Rod Father audio book. I, I've no problem promoting that one because I love it. Because I can speak. As you said, we're doing an audio now. You read a line, right? And it goes... I wanted to fuck John Delaney out the window. That sounds all right. I said it. I wanted to fuck John Delaney out the window. It doesn't read like that, but that's how it is. That's the way it is. The audio book is my one. Ronnie Collins, thank you very much. Ah, thank you. It's a pleasure. Top man. Once again, thank you so much, folks, for tuning in. Thanks to Roddy for joining me for a chat. If you're listening on Celtic Fanzine TV and you haven't hit that subscribe button, please give it a click so you'll never miss an episode. Once again, thanks to Martin O'Shea and all O'Shea's restaurant, Temple Bar Dublin, for the continued support. Our next live show takes place in November in Dublin and Waterford. John Hansen will be my special guest in Dublin on Friday the 11th when we will be in Petter Brown's Bar and tickets are available on Eventbrite and on Saturday the 12th we'll be down on the Waterford-Wexford Kilkenny border at the Rue Glen Hotel as guests of the Pork Lag Emerald CSC. I'm joining myself and John Hart, and will be another Celtic legend, Lisbon Lion, John Fallon. And tickets for that one can be got from any of the members of the, the club or also from Pat. And if you DM me, I'll pass on Pat's details. Or if you can't get in contact with the lads on social media, just give us a shout and I'll, I'll, I'll get you sorted out for tickets. So, folks, just to recap that, Friday, November the 11th, we're in Pedro Browns with John Harton. And Saturday, the 12th of November, we're in the Rue Glen Hotel as guests of the Port Lag Armel CSE with John Harrison and Lisbon Lloyd John Fallon. More Than 90 Minutes, issue 123, is now available in both print and digital format, and you can download the digital format by visiting satellitefansing.com, and if you visit our shop, you can order a copy of the new issue, and we'll stick it in the post straight away for you. You'll also find subscription details, back issues, T-shirts, badges and scarves at the online shop. At CelticFanzine.com, you'll also find daily news and articles, all our audio Celtic Soul podcasts, all our Celtic Fanzine TV videos. We deliver free content to Celtic fans across all platforms, written, visual and audio. 
And if you'd like to support us, you can do so by sponsoring, subscribing, buying, becoming a member, or donating for the price of a pint. And we thank you for all your support over the past 21 years. It's a busy schedule for Ange and the boys again. Two games coming up. First of all, we're, we're on the road again on Saturday for a midday kickoff against Livingston. A fair play to Livingston, giving us plenty of tickets for that one. So an opportunity for people to get to an away game who, who wouldn't normally get a ticket. And uh, fair play to Livy, they took points off Rangers at Ibrox last week. But we don't want them taking any points off Saturday this week because after that big game on Saturday, well, we're all heading for a bit of winter sunshine as we head to Madrid for our Champions League clash with Real in the famous Bernabeu. We'll be back next week, folks, with another Celtic Soul podcast. And you can also catch our Talk from the Terrace podcast on Celtic Fanzine TV. That's our Celtic match review and preview show. And you can follow our fan journey across Scotland and Europe on social media and also on the website, CelticFanzine.com. Hail, hail, folks. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.